Hello, and welcome to episode 29 of A Good Book Review, a podcast where we sit down and review a wide variety of books that have been written for a Christian audience. My name is Chase Vitort, and this is Alex Daniels. Hello, everyone. Today, we have the privilege of sitting down once again with Troy Salava and hearing his thoughts on John Bunyan's The Pilgrim Progress. This book was published in 1678 and can be bought for around $10. Dang, I think it's ancient. Yeah, Troy is the teaching elder at CBBC. <laughs> in Chippewa Falls. Prior to his role here, he attended Moody Bible Institute, where he earned a BA in youth ministry. After that, he was at SBTS, where he earned his MDiv. Outside of his love for theology, uh, he loves books in general, and he enjoys teams from Chicago, like presumably the White Sox, Cubs. Do you have a preference there, Troy? Oh, White Sox. Over. White Sox over the Cubs. Okay, Bears. Um, we're Packers fans up here. Come on. Um, uh, hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Alex is a Vikings fan. Wow, we have NFC North represented. <laughs> nice. Uh, you guys might recognize Troy's voice as he was the featured guest on episode 23. If you haven't yet, make sure you go back and listen to it. It's all about Mark Dever's staple book, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. That being said, so grateful to have you back on. Welcome back to A Welcome Good Book back. Review, Troy. Thanks for having me again. It is a pleasure. Uh, the first question here on Pilgrim's Progress is this. It's our first fiction book uh, that we've done as a review. Do you think that there's any benefit for the Christian in reading Christian fiction? Uh, some of our listeners may need convincing, as uh, a lot of them uh, usually are used to, to reading and hearing reviews on Christian living, theology, doctrine, biographies. Where does fiction fit in there? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think there's a huge benefit to reading Christian fiction and fiction in general. Now, I, I do read a lot of fiction. I don't read much Christian fiction, to be honest, because at <laughs> times uh, I feel like a lot of the target in Christian fiction isn't really for me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Some yeah. of it's kind of out there and not my style, or some of it's sometimes even harmful, heretical. But I believe books like this one, like Pilgrim's Progress, for example, um, if it's well-written, it's got a good narrative, and it teaches Christian themes and Christian imagery, I think it would be very helpful for a Christian walk. Um, mm. I think what, what Christian fiction does well is it takes, you know, theological concepts that we could read about very easily, maybe in a theology book logically, but it helps us picture them. Mm -hmm. it takes a truth from our heart and makes us be able to see them or hear them. And I think, you know, reading, if you don't read much fiction, I think reading a variety of, of genres are only going to help your mind and your heart. Mm -hmm. uh, mind, because if you only read one type of, of books or read things that all sound the same, then you're not going to advance in knowledge. Uh, from various other people who have wisdom mm -hmm. uh, and stretch your knives. But also um, sometimes reading fiction gives your brain and your mind a break that you need. Right. Desperately. Right. Um, but yeah, I think I also find uh, there's kind of a refreshment in reading fiction at times because fiction is often centered upon a character or two characters or a setting. And it teaches us empathy. It teaches us to see from someone else's perspective yeah. through their eyes. We look beyond ourselves, and it causes us to be a little bit more creative and imagine things, mm -hmm. um, which will only help us in the long run. So I think things like Pilgrim's Progress, for example, is beneficial, though it's though it's fiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it might also be worth mentioning. We haven't yet recorded with her, um, but we've got I think it's episode eighteen, if that's right, where we record with uh, Karen Swallow Pryor. So she might we'll probably ask her a similar question to this. So feel free, listeners, if you want to go back and hear her thoughts on the same question there. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, how did you first like happen upon this book? Yeah, I think I heard about this book growing up. I don't like I had an awareness of it, whether it be from sermons or whatever. But I never read it until I went to Bible school, and I heard it was besides the Bible the top selling English book of all time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. And then I was, and then it was required reading for one of my classes in seminary, so I had to read it kind of oh, twice really? in school. Um, and then I fell in love with it again, having to read it in seminary. Okay. Hmm. Uh. Next question is this. What impact has this book had on you since you've read it? 
Oh, it's a very, very sanctifying book. It's a book I try to read once a year. Okay, so John Bunyan, who wrote it, describes a character who goes through conversion and then journeys on the Christian life in vivid imagery. And it helps me, in as many scenes and word pictures, better grasp my salvation in Christ and, and help me understand more what the cost of discipleship is. Uh, because I, I grew up in a, in a Christian home, grew up in churches all my life, and I think at times I can very easily take salvation in the Christian life for granted and just kind of coast and lose the amazement of the fact that Christ saved me from my sin. Hmm. And this book describes the gospel and the Christian life in such vivid imagery that it kind of wakes me up and stirs my soul again to delight in Christ. So this is a book I read to try to preach the gospel to myself hmm. in a unique way. But also, I mean, in my role as a, as a preacher, this book is one of the most helpful books for me as a preacher because he's writing an allegory here, a lot of illustrations, a lot of scene, a lot of imagery. And you can't go a few paragraphs in this book without him quoting um, a specific passage of Scripture, which means that when I preach that passage, I have an easy built-in illustration of just mm. reading from Pilgrim's Progress. Yep. Like I yeah. steal scenes from here because he puts theological concepts and what happens to us when we're saved in such vivid imagery that we actually picture as we read. Mm -hmm. It better helps us grasp the gospel. So I think it's a very sanctifying book. I would recommend multiple reads of this over someone's life. Awesome. Can you give like a brief synopsis of the story without revealing huge spoilers to kind of yeah, you know, yeah. give an idea of what it is? Yeah, so Book of Progress is an allegory of, of an individual being saved by Christ and then their journey towards eternity. And by allegory, I mean a fictional story that conveys spiritual truth or spiritual meaning. Okay. Okay. Um, more specifically, it's about this character named Christian, and he encounters the Bible, and he encounters a man who shares the gospel with him, and he converts. So Christian literally leaves his his family, and they don't, they don't follow him because they don't accept the gospel, and he sets out on a journey by himself towards a celestial city, which mm -hmm. is heaven. But in every scene of this book, he encounters a character or a place that represents something spiritual could be a temptation. It could be a blessing. Uh, so, like, for example, in near the beginning of the book, he's walking towards heaven, and he comes across a man named Mr. Worldly Wiseman. Mr. Worldly Wiseman tells Christian that in order for him to be relieved of his burdens and his worries and his struggles, he needs to uh, climb up a mountain, this steep mountain that as Christian goes up, the burden on his back only gets heavier and heavier. He can never get to the top of the mountain. Well, that's an allegory, a scene regarding legalism. Mm -hmm. so one of the temptations of, the, of a Christian is that you're going to try to climb and perform your way to heaven. Mm -hmm. And Bunyan describes it by walking up a mountain. Mm -hmm. You can never get the top two. So throughout this whole book, there's scene after scene describing conversion and scene after scene after discipleship to help us better picture what temptations will be or blessings. So it's from the beginning of spiritual life to when he dies and goes to heaven. Mm -hmm. I've actually never read this book, Troy, but I think if I remember correctly, I saw some movie adaptation in my church many years ago. Do you have any of those? That, I, I, have there been multiple adaptations? And... Yeah, there, you know, and I, I've intentionally not watched any. Oh, okay. Um, but I heard the, there's a new one that was like an animated one that I heard was actually pretty good. Hmm. It came out like two years ago, maybe. Okay. Maybe 2018, 2019. Um, but I haven't, I haven't watched any of them. And yeah. I probably should mm -hmm. see how well they are, but I just love the book so much. I don't want it to be ruined in my head, yep. mm -hmm. but um, there's probably some really good ones out there. Mm -hmm. This book, it's, it's a little bit thicker than some it's thinner than others. Um, could you maybe explain why you might deem it a fairly easy book to pick up and, and to be able to understand how it's laid out? Yeah. I think if you pick it up, like if you're at a bookstore or use bookstores and you, and you find a copy, it might actually look a little daunting to read. Mm -hmm. You might choose not to. Um, first, I mean, the book was written in the 1600s. So, 
we automatically think if it's old, it's hard to understand. Mm -hmm. And if you pick up an old classic version, like the famous versions are from, you know, Banner of Truth or even like Moody Publishers has one. Uh, some of them are written with the old kind of King James English <laughs> that we struggle with today yep, yep. with the vowels and all those things. And, you know, you can read that and you get used to it in a couple pages. Mm -hmm. But if that's intimidating to you, there are newer, updated, modern English versions that for the most part still have um, – a great adaptation of the, of the original text. Mm -hmm. So there's some good ones. There's even some kids' versions that are really good to read Yep. Mm -hmm. with great pictures and everything. So even like, I think it's Little Pilgrim's Progress or things. Mm -hmm. So you can even buy an updated English version to do that. But also, this book looks thick, but it's actually split into two parts. Uh, the first part follows the life of Christian. The second part follows the life of Christian's wife, who he left at home. So the first part is really the famous one. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is good. But I think if you read the first half of the book, the first story, mm -hmm. you've technically read Pilgrim's Progress. They were written at separate times and things. Um, but I think for a lot of us Christians, you know, as, as, as reading books and stuff has gone way downhill because of watching TV and Netflix and social media, yeah. it's hard for us to read sometimes stories. Mm -hmm. um, but I think this is a really good story. It's a narrative. So as you read it, try not to get caught up in the details, but just absorb the story. It's like you're watching a movie or a show. Like, don't get caught up in the details. Just read it through the first time. Then the second time you read it, you'll pick up on more imagery. Yeah, Third mm -hmm. time you'll pick up on more biblical allusions. And the more and more you you read it, you'll learn more. So just get the story down the first time, I think. Gotcha. Awesome. This is a bit of a tangential question for you here, Troy. Uh, but back in episode 10, we had Alex and Elise Eisted talk a little bit about the, the value or tension between old English versus updated. Um, so actually, if I could, I'll read the exact question off that we had for them. And I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, the question was, how important is it to get an updated English version of of this book, which at the time, I think it was Oswald Chambers, My Utmost First yeah. Highest, or C.H. Spurgeon's um, Morning and Evening. Uh, what is the value of reading it in its original writing versus more modern sounding literature uh, from your perspective? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would recommend everyone to try to read this in the original English as much as you can, because those are the words that Bunyan specifically chose mm -hmm. to describe a certain circumstance. Yeah. And though at times some of those expressions seem archaic to us, um, I think oftentimes our language today can be too casual. Mm. So some of the things that Bunny is talking about that are very serious, if we modernize it too much, you could have multiple meanings today. Mm -hmm. Where oftentimes the old English, the King James English, it's pretty understanding of how serious a certain word is or what the text yeah. means. So I mean, I would encourage it just because it's the original language um, and. I think we over we kind of psych ourselves out of reading it. I think you're right. I think it's easier. We just are not willing to just put up with it. Mm -hmm. but I think if the author put it in that language, for the most part, we should kind of commit to that. Mm. It's not a foreign language to us, right? It's right. still English, mm -hmm. um, but it does convey, I think, more seriousness. Gotcha. Awesome. Uh, is there anywhere where the allegory falls flat or doesn't work? Um, it's kind of hard to critique this book. I think there are two areas where maybe maybe it could be critiqued. First is this this book should not be taken literally in regards to the order of salvation. Mm. So what I mean by that is, you know, when an individual goes from death to life, you know, a lot happens at that moment, right? They're united to Christ. They're justified in Christ. They're given the Holy Spirit. Their eyes are illumined and open to see the beauty of Jesus. Um, they're given all these blessings. They're given a new identity, right? Ephesians 1, 3 talks about we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. It's not on day one, you get justification. Day two, you get the spirit. No, it all happens at once instantaneously, mm -hmm, yep. right? That's what I mean by 
salvation, in the order of salvation. Um, but Bunyan, the way that he writes this book, he's not writing a systematic theology laying that out. He's describing you know, a fictional story. So don't take the sequence of events in the story literally, because there's one scene where the, the Christian the Christian becomes actually saved. Mm-hmm. And then pages later, he goes to the Holy Spirit's house and can open his eyes and see things. Mm-hmm. Where if you take this book literally, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, you're going to be kind of confused theologically in the yeah. order of things. Right. He's rather taking <clears throat> certain slices of theology and then describing them page after page. So, mm. you know, one page he loses his burden. His burden of guilt and shame is gone. But it's pages after the Spirit comes into his life. So Bunyan's just trying to describe it with Im- imagery. Yeah. Okay. So we're very logical people, and we struggle with um, imagery and story. This might be a little bit challenging for us, but I think it's good. I think um, the other critique or a potential critique or observation in this book is that Pilgrim's Progress doesn't really prioritize a specific local church. Mm. There's a lot of community in it. There's a lot of fellow Christians who come by and encourage Christians yep. to go on his journey towards heaven. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, there's a lot of characters like Evangelist or Hopeful who come along and push him, but there's not a local church. And Christians would argue that a local church is, is the primary place where Christians look more like Christ. Right. New Testament would argue that. Uh, but at the same time, Bunyan wrote this to describe what spiritual happens to an individual through the Christian life. So he's looking at one aspect of the Christian life. But I think it could be somewhat of a critique mm-hmm. to not mention the church. But at the same time, Bunyan wrote this while he was mostly in prison <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. by himself yeah. for preaching the gospel. So I think he's kind of right out of a different context, too, with his mindset differently than right. in the local local church. But those might be two critiques. Sure. I still think this book is beyond beneficial. Gotcha. Very good. Uh, Troy, is there a particular portion of Christian's journey with which you especially resonate or or you relate it to your own walk? Yeah, there's two places. So I, I reread this book a couple months ago, <clears throat> and there's two scenes in here that, that strike me. Now, one is where Christian is going you know, joyfully on his journey towards Christ, on, on towards heaven. And all of a sudden, he falls into this swamp, and, and Bunyan calls the swamp the slough of despond, okay, where he becomes consumed with his burdens and his sin and problems, and he sinks deeper and deeper, like into depression, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think at times it reminded me that this is at times a Christian life. Like it's not all mm-hmm. just these happy, you know, go lucky moments. Mm-hmm. At times the Christian life is where we feel like we're sinking deeper and deeper into despondence or depression or seasons of trials, and it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. And so I think, or so early on in the book after he's converted, he puts him right into a trial. So I think that's a kind of a realistic call to us as Christians that it is normal for the Christian to struggle and to have feelings and to have worries and anxieties. But the way that Christian gets out of there is by looking to Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's somewhat realistic. And it reminds me that there are moments in my life, seasons, you know, depression. But also the other one is um, where a Christian goes into the house of the interpreter, which is the Holy Spirit. And the interpreter, the Holy Spirit brings Christian into this room. And this room is full of dust. It's so dirty. And he brings someone in to try to clean it up with just a broom. And as he sweeps and sweeps this room, the dust just continues to build up and you can't see anything. Yeah. But then the individual comes back in with water and adds moisture and then sweeps it up. And then all the dust in the room is cleared away and it's cleaned. And the Holy Spirit explains that the first picture, you know, a dusty room made more dusty with just a broom is like someone who's trying to rely just on the law, on their performance, on keeping commandments and not the gospel. But when the water comes in, it sanctifies, it cleans. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me that the Christian life 
is a pursuit deeper and deeper into the gospel and not my own performance, mm. not my own reputation. So again, it's just Bunyan preaches the gospel to us through all these different scenes, remind us of the trials that we're going to have to perform for Christ when we just look to the performance of, of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I think as many scenes often catch my attention, and it kind of depends what I'm going through in my life when I read through Bunyan. Right. But these were the two that the last time I read. Hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, the Pilgrim's Progress is probably the most widely known piece of Christian fiction. Is there other pieces of Christian fiction that you'd recommend? Well, I think you have to say, in order to stay a Christian, you have to recommend the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> that, that's a prerequisite. You yes. pass. <laughs> You're still a Christian now. Good. <laughs> um, and obviously, those aren't Christian in regards to, like, only Christians read those, right? right. They're written by Christians with so many Christian themes, it's impossible to avoid them. Mm -hmm. And yet, they're written well. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't read much much specific Christian fiction. Um, but there are some, some Christians who write books where the where Christianity and the gospel just pours out. So for example, um, one of my favorite authors is a guy named Wendell Berry, and he writes books. Uh, one book's called Jaber Crow, one's called uh, Hannah Coulter. He's a Christian down in Kentucky, but he writes works of fiction about everyday life, life, loss, death, work, and so much Christian illusion in them. Mm -hmm. um, I've also heard that you know Andy, <clears throat> Andrew Peterson wrote a good series yeah. called uh, Wind Feather. I heard that too. Yep. Um, it's kind of Christian, much more kind of fantasy genre mm -hmm. fiction. Okay. I've heard that's good. Also, um, there's a series called Gilead by Marilyn Robinson. In the first book, Gilead is about pastoral reflections. Okay. A guy dying and uh, how he views his flock and his family. So I don't have many like specific Christian fiction, mm -hmm. but I think um, some of those have a lot of Christian allusions in them. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, do you think Christians should read nonfiction? So that's the first part of this question. Second part is, is there a benefit to it? And then the third part is, are there any dangers to reading non-Christian fiction? So I think Christians should read non-Christian fiction. Absolutely, you should. Um, just how we enjoy at times, you know, non-Christian media elsewhere, whether it be movies <laughs> or TV, how we enjoy coffee, we enjoy food mm -hmm. and sports. You know, there's not like a Christian NFL, right? We, we <laughs> It's just Tim Tebow. He plays every position. It's just Tebow. <laughs> yeah. uh, but God has given us a world full of beauty and truth, right? Yep. Um, and not all of it comes packaged in Christian wrapping paper, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we should read non-Christian fiction. And I think firstly, because there's a lot of beautiful writing and stories written by non-Christians. And it's okay to be entertained by a book or a movie that's not Christian. God's given us things to enjoy. Mm -hmm. He really has. Um, and it's part of the common grace. Now, there is junk and ugly books and movies and immoral things to avoid, but there's a lot of great books out there to enjoy. And it's a wonderful blessing, I think, to enjoy the creativity of other humans created in God's image. Mm -hmm. And fiction allows us to do that. But secondly, fiction is never just written just to be a story to be entertained by. It's not written aimlessly. Fiction conveys real feelings or a real problem or to teach us something. So the more and more that we read fiction, we're still going to learn and grow as, as thinkers and as feelers because fiction often communicates the deep feelings and deep problems of life, like loneliness or anger or joy that a nonfiction book can't really express in vivid imagery. Right. So I think fiction helps us better understand ourselves and relate to others, we empathize more when we read fiction. And then for Christians, reading fiction helps us know the world and the people we live around better. Mm. God created us to live right now at this time, in this place, in this age. And so to get to know the world better, um, read 
the stuff of the world to degree, as long as it's not sinful, right? And I right. think that's kind of where the danger comes in. I think there are some books that would be wrong for a Christian to read. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, if it causes you to sin or stumble, avoid it. But I think if you're reading the Bible, if you devoted to your church and Christians, and you probably have enough safeguards and wisdom built up to know what to avoid and what's worth your time and what's not. Yeah. Huh. But I think we should feel the freedom to enjoy the common graces of God. And if you only read theology or nonfiction, maybe every third or fourth or fifth book, read a fiction novel. Mm-hmm. Or if you only read fiction, maybe you should read a book on the church or church history or doctrine sure. every couple books and just kind of wide, you know, open up your your expanse and your reading habits and you're going to glean a lot more. Yeah. So I would recommend it. Yeah. Another question actually I just thought of, is there a book series or like a book uh, by a non-Christian author like that's fiction that you would recommend? Oh yeah, so many. Um, <laughs> awesome. I do think like, you know, if you go back to your high school English classes, like reread some of those for fun. So oh. read, you know, read Great Gatsby. It mm. describes the world, you know, at a certain time in the mm-hmm. Roaring 20s, right? To Kill a Mockingbird, read some of those, you know, classics, Little Women. But I think recently, I mean, there's a couple of books that kind of grip me. Um, they're not Christian, but they're describing the world. There's a there's an author named Frederick Bachman who wrote a book called A Man Called Ove, O-V-E. It's a beautiful story. Okay. It's a great book. Um, there's just a lot out there. I think if you can read through, like, what are some of the best-selling books? And if they seem interesting to you, like, check them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look at the classics you've read. Or, I mean, look up some Wendell Berry if you're into that. Um, one book that really caught me <clears throat> was beautiful. It's about a couple of kids during World War II called All the Light We Cannot See. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a longer book. Um, and it kind of describes the seriousness of war. So it's, it's more of a serious book. So I kind of, you know, you're not into serious things, but that's a book that um, won like a lot of awards. So I mm. kind of wanted to read it to see what my, my flock was reading. Yep. Um, so things like that. I think it's good to read fiction. I mean, I, there's tons of recommendations. I think, I mean, for example, you guys mentioned Karen, Karen Swall prior. She writes a lot on mm-hmm. secular fiction yep. and what you can glean from it as a Christian. So check out her, go to her. She's a list of recommendations mm-hmm. somewhere in her own book and things. And, um, I think we overthink it. Okay. Um, now I want to turn that question on you, Chase. Is there a... Oh, yeah. Yep. So we'll, I'll, I'll try to re- take it pretty quick here. And then certainly, Alex, I'm sure you have a few in mind for yourself that I'm... I'm I've got an idea. Here. Uh, for me, I, you know, all I would say is Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, man. I have... he's, a, he's a Christian, though. Yeah, right. But I mean, but his, I want, his books want... certainly, like, I think a lot of Tolkien fans would be very offended if you were to, like, try to insinuate that his books are strict allegory for, for the gospel. So uh, love, love any of those books. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved Magic Treehouse, so uh, those aren't quite on the same level. But I, I loved him as a kid, and I uh, thought that was great. But Alex, what what do you what do you got in mind when you ask the question? Probably one of my favorite uh, non Christian fiction book series is the Stormlight Archives by Brandon Sanderson. Could you say that again, but slower? The Stormlight Archives. Stormlight Archives. Yeah, okay. it's set in a fantasy world, um, not on Earth, and it's just amazing. Uh, he the author is Mormon, so there's some hinting of like Christian aspects, but he's not Christian. Gotcha. Um, but some subtle stuff like, like a yes. hundred wives or <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> not that subtle, but uh, yeah, that I'd say has been one of the most impactful book series in my life. Cool. Cool. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, we better uh, close up the podcast here, but again, Troy, incredibly grateful for your time and, and for all the wisdom that you've brought for us. Um, yeah. Very grateful. And our listeners are as well. So thanks a lot. Uh, If our listeners are interested in hearing more from you or about the church that you lead, where can we direct them? 
If you go to cbbc.net, you can learn about our church and find my email on there and contact me with any questions you have. Awesome. Uh, If you, the listeners, enjoyed hearing from Troy today, be sure to tune in once again for episode 41, wherein Troy will be sitting down with us once again to discuss Jonathan Lehman's One Assembly. And as always, we say, if you're interested in reaching out to get in touch with myself or Chase, please feel free to email us at a good book review podcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back once again with episode 30. All right. Bye, guys.